This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored by Anchorlight. For more information about their programs and residencies, please visit AnchorlightRaleigh.com. Heroes are all around us, all the time. The fireman, the police officer, the elementary school teacher, the overworked nurses, doctors, grocery store clerks, subway engineers, garbage collectors, the thousands of people around the world who make living every day just a little bit easier, or a lot better, for all of us on an everyday basis. Sometimes those heroes are doing incredibly huge things, like saving lives or curing illnesses. Sometimes, though, there are heroes who work in smaller ways, but they can last in our memories just as long or have an effect on our cultural history for decades to come. Today, I am sharing a story of one of those heroes, someone who, through seemingly small actions, made a world of difference. Some people think that visual art is dry, boring, lifeless. But the stories behind those paintings, sculptures, drawings, and photographs are weirder, more outrageous, or more fun than you can imagine. In Art Curious Season 11, we've been highlighting the lives and works of women who supported some of the world's great artists. Today, I am so excited to share with you the life of Rose Valland, a great World War II hero who personally helped save thousands of works of art from being destroyed or lost forever. This is the Art Curious Podcast, exploring the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in art history. I am Jennifer Dassel. I mentioned in one of our previous episodes, which covered Jo van Gogh Bonger, that there were a couple of women who I've long wanted to portray in future episodes of Art Curious. Jo was one of them, and the other is definitely today's subject, Rose Vallon. All the way back in Art Curious episode number 29, which profiled the Monuments Men as part of our season on World War II and art, I said, and I quote, I didn't get to tell you about one of the most incredible figures involved with the Monuments Men, Rose Valland, an art historian and curator at the Jeux de Pomme Museum in Paris who single-handedly saved thousands of works of art by secretly cataloging Nazi looting. But that's an entire episode for another season of the Art Curious podcast. And don't worry, I definitely want to tell you all about her. And unquote. Well, everyone, it's finally time. Rose Vallon became one of the few monuments women in the entirety of the organization that we now refer to colloquially as the Monuments Men. But the full organization is known as the MFAA, or the Monuments, Fine Arts, and Archives Program. This team of folks from several allied nations was comprised of a team of elite curators, art historians, professors, and art professionals, without whom some of Europe's greatest treasures would have been destroyed during the darkest days of World War II. 
Now, I encourage you, if you haven't already, go back and listen to episode number 29, because it will give you the backstory of the Monuments Men, how the organization was formed and by whom, and profiles of some of their missions. But mostly, I covered the Monuments Men in that episode, not the women, among whom Rose Vallon is probably the most well-known. Rose Vallon was born on November 1, 1898, in the small farming town of Saint-Étienne-de-Saint-Jouard in southern France. So often, we think of the art world as a rarefied space, both fairly and unfairly. And that's long been the case. So for someone like Rose Vallon, who was born into an unassuming blue-collar household, to grow up and become a curator and art historian, that was not a given. But her promise, her giftedness, was readily apparent as a child, and she had a scholarship to a teaching school, originally training with the hope of being, you guessed it, a teacher. But not just any kind of teacher. She wanted to teach art. So she moved about 80 kilometers away from Saint-Étienne to Lyon, where she attended the École Nationale de Beaux-Arts, which emphasized how to teach art in both art making and art history realms. After she graduated in 1922, she moved to Paris for further study, and three years later, she graduated and secured a spot as a high school art teacher, focusing on draftsmanship. And while that was great, I mean, it was her intention all along, right? She started to notice that her passions had shifted. She couldn't keep away from wanting to learn more and more about art history. Talk about a woman who was after my own heart. So for the better part of the next decade, she took graduate-level courses at the Collège de France, the Sorbonne, and the École du Louvre, which is the school that is most closely associated today with the famed museum. And eventually, it paid off. She first got her foot in the door, like so many do in the art world, in 1932 as an unpaid volunteer. So holla to all my docents and interns out there and she worked at the Jeu de Pomme Museum in Paris. The Jeu de Pomme originally opened as a small extension of the Louvre, and it acted as a kind of sister institution to the nearby Musée de l'Orangerie, which is famed for its collection of Impressionist work today, especially these eight stunning paintings of water lilies by Claude Monet. But in the 1920s, it became its own independent space that showcased works from outside of France, and thus it moved ever closer to the avant-garde. The avant-garde provides me with a little chance to talk about what was going on in France's neighbor to the northeast, Germany. In the year after Rose Vallon began working at the Jeu de Pomme, Adolf Hitler was appointed chancellor in 1933. And one of his quick actions was to declare war on what he called, quote, cultural degeneracy. And he ordered the removal or destruction of items that did not match his strict personal definition of good art. Avant-garde art, in particular, was reviled by Hitler, and he'd later advocate for a landmark show, infamously known as the Degenerate Art Exhibition, that corralled examples of what he and his cronies considered the worst of the worst. George Gross, Ernst Ludwig Kirchner, Pablo Picasso, Piet Mondrian, and Marc Chagall, among many, many others. I spoke at length about the Degenerate Art Exhibition in episode number 54 about Otto Dix, so please go back and listen. It is one of my favorites. Anyhow, Hitler was hoping to mock, deride, and eventually destroy bad art. Simultaneously, though, 
He dreamed of creating his own monumental art museum to celebrate good art instead. And, by the way, also glorify himself in the process. Now, I won't go into it too much here because, again, I have an entire episode from our second season all about Hitler's Führer Museum. But, in short, this museum fueled the systematic looting and destruction of artistic and cultural treasures during World War II. And that's where we will next find Rose Valland, in the midst of the war. In 1940, Germany invaded France and eventually occupied the country, an occupation that would last until the liberation of Paris in 1944. As part of their mission for the Einsatzstab Reichsleiter Rosenberg, which was an organization that was founded to assist in looting art for Hitler and other top German officials, the Nazis took over the Jeu de Pomme as their headquarters for the ERR. It thus became their central collecting point in Paris for much of the works of art that the Nazis stole from both private and public collections in France during the war, especially from Jewish households. Now, focused as they were on this terrible project, they needed to make sure that the Jeu de Pomme was as secure as possible for their needs. So they dismissed almost all of the museum's employees, but they overlooked one. Rose was quiet, unassuming, a little mousy, with brown hair, round granny glasses, and a long oval face. She didn't seem like anyone necessarily important to the Nazis, when, in fact, she was acting as the director of the Jeu de Pomme at this point after the chief curator was struck ill. And good news, this position was finally a paid one. The Nazis didn't know that, so they decided that this know-nothing woman could stay. Plus, it's not like Rose or anyone else would really understand what they were doing because they'd all be speaking German, and who in France would know any German, right? Well, one person, of course, did. And you know exactly who it is. Rose Valland gets to use her German language skills to become an art world hero right after these quick messages. Thanks for listening. try to do all of the things that I can to make me feel my very best and give me the opportunity to work better, happier, and more efficiently. And for me, a lot of that comes down to enjoying my daily shot of Magic Mind. So what is Magic Mind, you ask? It is this little elixir that was designed to provide sustainable energy and focus, but all without the jitters and the crashes that you might end up getting after you've had too many cups of coffee. I drink one small shot of this little productivity drink that's all filled with brain-boosting ingredients, and it leaves me feeling clear-headed and ready to go. Magic Mind contains 12 functional ingredients, including matcha, which is one of my favorites, and it mixes it with nootropics that help me to focus and then adaptogens that help me to ward off stress. Magic Mind was created by James Bashara, who is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur who has transformed this little shot into the Valley's must-have elixir. And I get the hype because I truly feel better when I start my day with Magic Mind. 
If you're a creator like me and you need that extra little productivity focus boost and an easier way to get into a flow state, then you should try Magic Mind because you've got nothing to lose. With their money-back guarantee, any first purchase will be refunded, no questions asked, if they don't meet your expectations. You got no crash, no jitters, just that in-the-zone feeling. So try it today. I have a 20% off coupon to share with you, which is Art Curious. One word. To use it, you can go to magicmind.co slash artcurious and enter the code artcurious at checkout. Now, if you get the subscription to Magic Mind, then this is an even better deal because you'll get 40% off with this code. My 40% off code only lasts for 10 days. So hurry up and go to magicmind.co slash artcurious and enter the code artcurious at checkout. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Welcome back to Art Curious. We don't know exactly how Rose Vallon came to learn German because sources are mixed on this one. Some researchers note that she had some formal training in the language as part of her arts education, which does track for me because, after all, Art history was founded truly by German scholars. And even when I was coming up in the field, I had to pass a German language reading exam to qualify for my PhD candidacy. German has long been the language of art history. So it wouldn't be surprising to me to know that Rose Valland had studied it, at least a little bit. Others, though, claim that Valland had no knowledge of German outside of a brief working interest gleaned from simply having traveled in Germany throughout the 1920s and 1930s. Regardless, what truly matters is that Rose Valland did know at least some German, and that allowed her to surreptitiously eavesdrop on the Nazis' conversations at the Jeu de Pomme each and every day. And it wasn't just her language skills that were top-notch. She also had an incredible memory. So as the Nazis began plotting their shipments of their stolen goods, she not only listened in and could translate, but she could remember the details. What works of art were being shipped where, and for whose use and purpose, and who would be there, potentially, on the other side to receive the works of art. She listened carefully to the Nazi security guards, truck drivers, shipment coordinators, and even visiting officials. She'd remember it all noting everything down each night in a register she kept hidden away in her apartment. Over the four years of German occupation, that register would grow to contain details about the movement of over 20,000 paintings, jewelry, sculptures, furniture, and more. She traced everything's departure for cities, towns, and salt mines in Germany, the south of France, Austria, and beyond. And all of this information she would eventually pass on to the French resistance. As we mentioned, Rose Vallon was quiet, unassuming, a little bit austere-looking at least. So her actions were not discovered by the occupying Germans. But that doesn't mean that she was safe in her position by any means. Not only did she use her impeccable memory to keep note of the actions of the Nazis at the Jeu de Pomme, but multiple times she also squirreled away film negatives meant to provide a visual representation of that day's covert art shipment to Nazi holding locations. 
Vellon would develop copies of the photos for her own records before putting the negatives back in their respective files, thereby creating her own visual record of art shipments. But just imagine for a moment if she was caught, if she was discovered just once with her own stash of documents and photo negatives. She might have been detained, immediately sent to a concentration camp, or even, probably, executed outright. Imagine desperately pretending that you can't speak a language, making sure that your face doesn't betray any reaction or knowledge, holding yourself together day after day with mounting anxiety to bear witness to what was going on around you. Rose Vallon put herself in danger every moment at the Jus de Pomme, all for the sake of art and culture, the building blocks of humanity. As she later noted, she, quote, wanted to save some of the beauty of the world. Vallon also got a front row seat to watch the works of art being considered for Hitler's Führer Museum, as well as the personal collections of other top-ranking Nazis. The pecking order for the stolen goods began with Hitler at the top, followed then by the private collection of the Reich Marshal Hermann Göring. Thirdly, Alfred Rosenberg, the namesake and head of the ERR, the Einsatzstab Reichsleiter Rosenberg, he could have dibs on Hitler's and Göring's leftovers. But he apparently had little or no interest in collecting art. Everything else, then, was then destined to be scattered among Germany's public art institutions, all for the glorification of the Reich. Vallon, then, was able to witness the Nazis essentially shopping for their favorite works of art. Goering himself visited the Jeu de Pomme over 20 times to select works to submit back to Hitler personally for his approval, after those key pieces had been set aside by chief art looter and art dealer Bruno Loos, along with art historians Hermann Bunyas and Kurt von Baer. Though they let Roosevelt stay around at the Jeu de Pomme, Loos and von Baer were suspicious of her, and they repeatedly interrogated her, in French, I'm assuming. So if anything went remotely wrong at the Jeu de Pomme, then she would automatically be blamed. A missing box? Vallon stole it. A shipment was late? Vallon must have somehow sabotaged it. Losa in particular threatened Vallon multiple times with execution, but she stood her ground, noting that she would not reveal secrets of their looting scheme and declaring to him, quote, no one here is stupid enough to ignore that risk. Now, she was lying, of course. Rose Vallon was not stupid, not even a little bit, but she was playing the Nazis, constantly intercepting information that was gleaned from official records, casual gossip, and shouted orders, and she passed it all along to the French resistance and the Monuments Men, via her boss, Jacques Jojard, who was the director of French National Museums. Jojard, it turns out, would be one of Rose Vallon's only true allies during the occupation of France. He spearheaded the evacuation of the Louvre, not only of its people, but also of its artworks, in the year prior to the 1940 invasion. So Vallon knew that he understood the importance of safeguarding works of art. But by 1944, collaborationism in France had grown exponentially, so it was difficult to discern who, in Paris, was actively or secretly working with the Nazi regime. So Vallon shared her knowledge with Jojar, and Jojar only, really, for the longest time. At the same time, the knowledge that the war was coming to a head meant that the exploits of the ERR, especially in the service of Hitler's Führer Museum, 
had all started to ramp up. More works of art, especially from the homes of French Jews, were being looted and thus rerouted to other Nazi strongholds, such as the famed castle of Neuschwanstein in Bavaria. In the final weeks before the liberation of Paris by the Allies, the Nazis at the Jeu de Pomme planned one giant evacuation of their stolen treasures, panicking because they were running out of time. Ever watchful and dedicated, Vallon took note and did all she could to forestall the evacuation. In early August of 1944, five railroad cars bearing 148 crates full of paintings, totaling nearly 1,000 individual works of art, including modern masterpieces by Picasso, Cezanne, Modigliani, Degas, Gauguin, and many more. All of this was being prepared for connection to almost 50 additional train cars filled with furniture and other looted goods. The train cars, though, were not quite finished being prepped, so the departure was delayed, which gave Rose Vallon just enough time to secrete the shipment log to Jojar, who passed it along then to the French resistance. Now, be it fate, or the French, or just a slew of good luck, what happened next reads a bit like a comedy of errors. The delayed train took nearly a week to leave the station, by which time the French railway workers had gone on strike. Of course, they went on strike. But once the strike was completed, there were other high-priority trains, such as the ones that were carrying Germans who were fleeing France, while the art-filled train, known as Train 40044, just waited. There's more. Once the train finally departed, weeks after its original intended exit, it was terribly overloaded, towing a total of 53 cars. So it's perhaps not a huge surprise to know that the engine soon experienced a mechanical failure, which took the Germans two days to repair. By that time, the French resistance had derailed two additional trains, thereby blocking train 40044's path, allowing the resistance, and then the monuments men, to come in and secure the train and its priceless cargo. We are not done with Rose Vallon just yet. The rest of the story is coming up next, right after this break. Come right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You've looked at your business hiring from every angle, but there's something that you feel like you're missing. In your core, you know it could be faster. And you're right, so you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. 
With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they post a job, according to Indeed Data US. For me, it's all about efficiency. So one of the things I love most about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because you get to do everything on the Indeed site. With virtual interviews, Indeed saves me time so I can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. There's no need to install anything extra because all of their virtual interviews are available through your browser. So no downloads, no plugins, no purchases. You can do all of it in one place with Indeed. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit toward your first sponsored job. Plus, you can earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit indeed.com slash art to learn more. Claim your credits at indeed.com slash art. Indeed.com slash art. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Art Curious. It's true that fate played a big role in the eventual containment of train 40044, but without Rose Vallon to intercept the train's information, which included everything from the contents of each crate to the final planned location of each train car, it's entirely possible that many of those artworks aboard would have disappeared, like so many other works captured and looted during the war. I don't want to overemphasize Vallon's involvement in World War II, a war with absolutely dire consequences for humankind, let alone for inanimate objects of cultural or artistic significance. But I also don't want to undermine her story here either. She put her life on the line, as many folks did, from many allied nations, and she did it to save works of art, to celebrate humankind's creativity, history, and beauty during an incredibly devastating and dark time. When the war ended in 1945, Rose Vallon's job was not done. Though she was briefly detained after the liberation of Paris on the assumption that she was a Nazi collaborationist, she nevertheless maintained her dedication to the rescue and recovery of so many of the works of art whose looting she had witnessed firsthand. She applied to the French First Army in May 1945, where she received her wished-for assignment as a member of the Commission for the Recovery of Works of Art. At that point, she used her incredible stash of documents and record books to lead members of the Monuments Men from both the U.S. and from Great Britain to huge caches of stolen art, including those at Neuschwanstein Castle, where nearly 20,000 objects were held. She personally helped identify works of art and aided directly in their restitution, especially to French museums and private institutions. Now, this is a process that, as we know, is still ongoing today. Not everything looted during the war has been located, nor has everything been returned to its rightful owners, even if it has been identified. That is, of course, another story for another day. But Rose Vallon, with her secret German knowledge, her excellent memory, and record-keeping skills, not to say the least of her clear and calm head, she sped the process up. Way, way up. 
According to a 2013 report made to the French Senate, it has been estimated that about 60,000 works of art were located by the Commission for the Recovery of Works of Art in association with the Monuments Men, and that about three-quarters of that art was returned to France before 1950. And a chunk of that was due, in no small part, to the actions of Rose Vallon. It wasn't just in the restitution of the arts that Vallon proved to be useful. During the Nuremberg trials in 1946, she was called upon to act as a witness, where she directly identified Hermann Göring as one of the chief architects of art looting. She was also able to identify a couple other culpable Germans, as she possessed the Jeu de Pommes visitor logbook, wherein all the names of all the entrants to the museum had been located. It cheers me to no end to note that Rose Valland was celebrated during her lifetime for her work. She rose through the ranks of the French army while coordinating the restitution in the years following the war, eventually garnering the title of captain. In 1954, she was named the chair of the Commission for the Protection of Works of Art, after finally having been given the title of curator of the Musée National just a year prior. After the war, Jacques Jojard contributed a report to the French government detailing efforts to both curb art looting and to restore works that were taken, and his discussions of Vallon's actions and contributions alone in that report totaled eight long pages, which he concluded by noting that she, quote, endured four years of daily renewed risks in order to save our works of art. Vallon thusly received several important awards, such as the French Legion of Honor, the Medal of the Resistance, she was made a commander of the Order of Arts and Letters by the French government, and received the United States Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1948. Rose Vallon retired from public service in 1963, the year after she published her memoirs, by the way. But she continued to assist in repatriation efforts from the Second World War, decades after it had ended. She also continued learning, too, registering for courses at the Sorbonne alongside her partner, Joyce Helen Heer. She lived out the remainder of her life peacefully and quietly before passing away on September 18, 1980, at the age of 82. She is buried in her hometown of Saint-Étienne de Saint-Jouard, and it is there that her memory still shines so brightly, thanks to the work of the Association of Rose Vallon's Memory, an organization that is dedicated to keeping her story alive. Because, as we know, it is a story worth remembering. Here was a courageous woman who risked her own life for the sake of protecting her nation's cultural heritage and working with hundreds of others after the war to return those pieces to their rightful homes. If you ever get to visit the Jeu de Pomme in Paris, make sure that you visit the south-facing wall of the building's exterior. There you will see a stone plaque commemorating her important role in the war, a beautiful and fitting monument to a monument woman, on the building where she undertook her life's greatest work. Thank you for listening to the Art Curious Podcast. This episode was written, produced, and narrated by me, Jennifer Dassel. Huge thanks to Mary Beth Soya for her awesome research for this episode and almost all of our episodes this season. 
Our theme music is by Alex Davis at alexdavismusic.com. And our logo is by Dave Rainey at daverainydesign.com. Our podcast is co-produced by Kabunki. Podcasts, creative video, and more. Subscribe to their show, Subgenre, a podcast about the movies, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at subgenrepodcast.com. Kabunki, leave your mark. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored primarily by Anchorlight. Anchorlight is a creative space founded with the intent of fostering artists, designers, and craftspeople at varying stages of their development. Home to artist studios, residency opportunities, and exhibition space, Anchorlight encourages mentorship and the cross-pollination of skills among creatives in the triangle. Please visit anchorlightraleigh.com. The Art Curious Podcast is also fiscally sponsored by VAE Raleigh, a 501c3 nonprofit creativity incubator. To find donation links to support our show and for more details, please visit our website, artcuriouspodcast.com. Check back with us soon as we explore the lives and works of incredible women who supported the unexpected, slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful world of art history. Thank you.